The only reason for my soulless existence is to tell you that Gabriel will be performing at the Joke Joint in St. Paul, Minnesota March 1st and 2nd. March 7th he will be at the parlor in Bellevue, Washington. March 8th he will be in Ellensburg, Washington at the Ellensburg Brewing Company. He has to stay in a hotel with his children that night so he really needs it to be a good show. March 9th Gabriel has a private show. You can't go. Sorry. It's in Elma, Washington. You probably didn't want to go there anyway. For more info and for all of Gabriel's show dates go to GabrielRutledge.com. Every choice you have ever made has led you to this moment. It's time for episode 9 of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge. Now here's your host, Gabriel Rutledge. Check, check. Sometimes when we touch, the honesty's too much. All right, we're rolling. Uh, coming to you uh, today from the, the comedy condo for the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Canada. Uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes I'm at my house, sometimes I'm in a hot- hotel room, but... Today I'm at the comedy condo for the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Canada. <laughs> this uh, comedy condo for the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Canada is actually uh, better than the old comedy condo for the Comedy Cave in Cal. I gotta stop. The old, uh, the old uh, comedy condo for the Comedy Cave in Calgary, Canada. Oh, alliteration! Why are you so fun? Um. It was kind of in the middle of nowhere and uh, a little bit isolating. And this is, uh, I mean, the club moved downtown, the condo's downtown, <sighs> living the living the high life. I guess this condo's a little isolating, too, because uh, I'm here by myself, which is nice. Because I can, you know, walk around in my underwear and listen to the new Best of Sandy Lopper album that I just downloaded. <laughs> I'm sorry for that disturbing image. All right, pretend I'm fully clothed. I wear a suit when I listen to my Cindy Lauper album. Uh, so it's nice to to have the privacy, but it's also, I mean, uh, this is a long week, Tuesday through Sunday. It's Sunday. I'm pretty much insane by now, uh, talking to no one all day, and then uh, just going to do shows at night. And also... Uh, Sleep is not great because uh, they're doing construction right next door. Early construction, which makes sense because when it's minus 15 degrees, you want to get an early start on your day. I don't even know what they're building over there. It just seems like um, it's really important that they bang hammers on metal uh, starting at like 6.30 a.m. Just king, 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 king. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Come on. Girls just want to have fun. Knock it off, workers. King! I got to sleep in. I got to do a podcast later. King! I usually I usually do a better job uh, walking around, uh, getting some fresh air, sunshine, a little bit of exercise when I'm uh, on the road. But uh, it's just so fucking cold that... Uh, 
it's legit not even safe to walk around sometimes. It's, uh, you know, single digits and windy. And, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go for a stroll. Um, although I learned if you're visiting, uh, probably anywhere in Canada, but especially Calgary, if you're visiting, uh, as a, as a visitor, you are not allowed to complain about how cold it is. Okay. I gotta go in a few minutes. You guys have, uh, been delightful. I won't mention I thanks for sale, uh, after the show. It's low pressure. None of the money will go to charity. I promise. <laughs> Probably won't even make it home. That's, <laughs> That's my sales. <laughs> you give me money, I'll spend it right here in your community. <laughs> Probably within this two block radius, because it's too goddamn cold to go farther. Today warmed up a little bit. When I when I got here Tuesday, I thought it was cold, but you're not allowed to tell people when you're visiting Calgary, you're not allowed to say, boy, it sure is cold, because people start popping out from behind buildings <laughs> to go, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Been here last week! <laughs> well, I wasn't here last week. Am I allowed to be cold this week? I'm sorry, this is only partially deadly cold. <laughs> I'm happy I can survive an hour out here, not unlike last week. <laughs> Boy, I should have been here last week. I was walking around on Tuesday, my cell phone just gave up. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. The cell phone is just like, oh, fuck it. <laughs> we started our life in China, we went to America, and now we're in Calgary, we're done. <laughs> That's a sign. When your electronics can get frostbite, <laughs> frostbitten electronics, you guys are like, we like it here. Should have been here last week. Landlines were broken. They're a hearty people here in uh, Alberta. They're a, I'm going to say hearty instead of why don't you move? Ah. Uh, let me enjoy a little bit of my coffee I'm having here. Oh, I like my coffee like I like my women, you guys. Uh, Canadian. And thanks to the exchange rate, 25% cheaper than you realized. What? I've had, uh, I ha I've had good shows, uh, here in Calgary. If, you, if you're listening, if you're a new listener, because you saw me in Calgary, the show you were at, was the greatest audience I've ever had. Uh, but I, I've had, uh, I've had, uh, some groans this week. I've had way more groans at my jokes than I normally do, which, uh, pet peeve. I don't, I'm not doing comedy for groans. Some, some comics are like any reaction is a good reaction. I, uh, am a fan of laughter. And occasionally that laughter turning into applause. I'm not a fan of, oh, that's not the intended reaction. And I, I'm not saying anything that should elicit that reaction. Um, so I don't really know what happened. I know I've been to many, many places in Canada, so I don't think it's a Canadian thing. I just, something about this week, uh, maybe when you're, have partial frostbite. Everything seems slightly offensive. I'm not sure. There was a there was a guy last night. I think he was trying to impress his date, 
and I know the whole crowd couldn't hear it, but every joke I did, he would be like, oh, no, oh, Jesus, oh. I mean, really, have you ever seen a rated R movie before, sir? Are, are the things I'm saying so shocking? Is my PG-13 bullshit really the most edgy stuff you've ever heard in your life? It might be because... uh a lot of the opening acts for me this week have been uh, pretty dirty, and I say that without judgment. Uh, so maybe the crowd's just sort of expecting it by the time I get up there, but I don't know. That's what's so annoying. I mean, when do I... I'm doing jokes about whatever, my vasectomy, and people are like, oh, like how could you talk about such things? And I'm like, wait, the guy before me had a bit about how his girlfriend wore a strap-on and had sex with his anus for the first time last week. What are we groaning my stuff for? And I also think it might be because uh, there's a lot younger people at the shows. Uh, because uh, the drinking age is 18 in Alberta. And uh, I think... I think uh, <laughs> I'm going to make some generalizations. I think young people are conditioned that the appropriate response to humor is is shock, like, oh, like they, I don't know, I'm going to blame like Tosh.0 and roasts and Anthony Jeselnik and uh, that kind of humor, uh, which I have no problem with any of that kind of humor, but like I'm not, I feel like in their head they're making what I'm saying way more edgy than it is. Like, oh, I can't believe he said that. And I'm like, I didn't say anything. Uh, so it's not that people don't like you when they're making the oh noise, but I just, I do not care for it. The drinking age should be 18 in uh, the United States of America, for sure. Uh, but that's one of those things, like, who's going to legislate that? Who's going who's gonna to run for Congress or president and be like, the first order on my platform is we're lowering the drinking age and we're going to make sex work legal all across the country? Both of those are great ideas, but that's that's a tough platform. That's a tough platform. I mean, it can happen. It's happening with marijuana. But, like, you know, I think younger people should drink and uh, prostitution should be legal. Uh, that's, uh, that's a tough sell. I don't do anything political uh, on stage or normally this podcast, but apparently we're going there today. Uh, and it's not that I don't have thoughts. I just don't. I don't know. I'm not educated enough on a lot of the topics, and I also am trying to get everyone to laugh, not let people know how I feel about things. And uh, but I said I don't. I think I say the word Trump one time on stage, and it is in a not really any sort of uh, way that would make anyone take a side or another. And uh, yeah, that's my own selfish reasons. Also, I don't want to know how the whole crowd feels about politics because then I won't like them. And uh, I'm trying to have a good time, too. But uh, when I said something about Trump on stage this week. I thought I'd be safe. I thought I'd be safe here in Canada. Uh, but I just – I said the word Trump, and some guy in the front row goes, better than Killary. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Not everyone heard him say better than Killary, but I just – I said something to him like, don't turn my show into a Facebook comment section, please. And I'm sure the whole crowd was like, what the hell is he talking about? But 
Hillary. I don't look. It's not that I think Hillary Clinton's the greatest person ever. I don't. But I don't. What are we doing? What are we doing? I'm tired. I'm tired of uh, I'm tired of politics. And most people who say they're tired of politics are really conservative. Uh, but uh, I am not. I'm a I'm a liberal person. I think. But a funny thing happens when you say you're a liberal and you start getting older. Uh, you know, a couple times a year, I turn to my wife and I go, wait, we're still liberal, right? Because uh, you start off super liberal and then the people coming behind you are more left than you were. That's just sort of how it works. But yeah, I'm, uh, I, uh, I definitely am a liberal person. And, but I just don't. Want to argue. I don't think it changes anyone's mind. I don't think... Look, I don't... I think Trump's a scary <laughs> lunatic. And I also think he's a moron. And uh, there seems to be a lot of thought out there that, oh, no, he knows what he's doing. He's, you know... He's pulling all the strings. I don't think so. Read his tweets. That's not, uh, that's not a, a mentally stable person. I think a lot of the people who like Trump, some of them... Uh, I would even call my friends, by the way. I A lot of people who like Trump like him because he pisses off the people they don't like. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look. Look at all these stupid liberals all worried about Trump. Ha ha ha. Fuck those liberals. I get that. I get that. But I just don't. I don't know. I had a conversation with someone uh Actually, in Calgary, which is kind of conservative, I think it's Alberta is like a oil and gas region. It's sort of the Texas of Canada, so they're uh, you know they're pretty conservative. And and someone was saying to me that like I should like Trump because the stock market is over twenty five thousand. You know the economy is doing good. I don't personally have any money in the stock market. I mean, my mother in law does and. Someday she'll die, so I guess it affects me. But uh, it's weird how you feel the economy is doing based on your political affiliation. Because if you think – I mean I know we're not in a recession or anything, but I mean you know, we have the same problem in America that we've had for a long time. Uh, rich people are doing really good and there's no middle class anymore. Rich and poor. That's We're breaking down to that. And that's not good for a society. But it's if you think the economy is doing good because of Trump, because the stock market is over 25000 then you also have to think Obama was really good for the economy because of what he did for the stock market. First of all, I don't know if the president has that much to do with the stock market. I'm comfortable giving neither one of them credit for anything. But I didn't have these facts. I looked it up because uh, I wished I could have said this in the conversation. But when Obama took over, uh, it was like 7,000-something, the stock market, because we just had a big crash, if you recall. And when he left, it was 19,000. Okay, he went from 7,000 to 19,000. If you don't want to give him credit for that, fine. But you also can't give Trump cre Trump credit for that. Uh, it's weird, you know. Like if 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 Obama's last year in office, you worked at Best Buy and you made twelve dollars an hour, 
you know, but you're conservative. Do you like <laughs> fucking Obama? $12 an hour sucks. And then Trump gets elected. You still work at Best Buy. You still make $12 an hour. But now you're like, yeah, finally, the economy is on the right track. Your life didn't change, man. You're still wearing a blue shirt in the electronic section. And I could have switched that, by the way. I, people who thought the economy was doing good under Obama, uh, and now they think it's doing bad under Trump, if, it's the same thing. Like, it really didn't have an impact on your life. But because of your political ideology, you're like, this just feels better to me. This $12 an hour feels better because a red guy's in now instead of a blue guy. I guess I could have said red and black for skin tone, but you know what I mean. I can't, I can't pay attention all the time. I can't. And uh, maybe you're like, oh, you're just sticking your head in the uh, sand. And it maybe, maybe, but I can't keep up. I can't keep track of every dumb thing he said. And you know, Jesus Christ, it's uh, you know, global warming, homeless people, uh, <laughs> housing crisis, child soldiers in Africa. Uh, people in cages at the border. Yes, all of those things are important. I can't take it all on every day. I can't fucking do it. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I care about my fellow humans, but just for my own mental health, I can't. I can't do it, man. I can't every day just scour the internet looking for, uh, terrible things that are happening and uh, things I can share with others that are reaffirming the way I already feel. Um, and uh, I don't know. I'm not saying that makes me good, bad, or anything. I'm just saying I think um, I used to feel bad about it. I used to feel like I should be more involved, and maybe in some ways I should be more involved in helping my fellow man. But I don't feel bad about just tuning the fuck out, man. Uh, you got to do that for your own mental health. Uh, sometimes. Just, uh... And on that note... <laughs> uh, what's better than a guy who says he doesn't like to talk politics talking politics? What a dumbass. Uh, on that note, uh, this episode has a sponsor. They probably want to take that money back now, but it's too late. I already got it. If you would like to sponsor an episode of Happiness Isn't Funny with Gabriel Rutledge, that's me. Uh, cost five bucks. And I'll say whatever you want, pretty much. Um, send me a message on social medias or uh, email me at gabriel at gabrielrutledge.com or put a message in a bottle. Throw that bottle into the sea someone will find that bottle years later they'll send the bottle to you you'll open the bottle you'll see the message and the message will say email me at gabriel at gabrielrutledge.com uh this week's sponsor is the youtube series amish firearms academy also a Facebook page. I will put uh, links in the episode notes. Uh, it's like a uh, comedy sketch series about Amish people 
Uh, shooting firearms is the, the simplest explanation I can. Real firearms. I have some concerns about, uh, this is my old pal Brian Snow, who, uh, lives in the LA area now. And, uh, is in the Groundlings class and doing great. Um, but yeah, uh, check it out. Amish Firearms Academy. Um, watch, uh, guys and beards blow shit up. Hey, construction guys, do you want to, you want to sponsor an episode? King! Two hammers for yes, one hammer for no. King! 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 Was that two for yes or like two and then the third one? Okay. See you tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. I'm on, I don't know, well, fourth floor plus a couple of parking, I'm like sixth or seventh floor, I can look right across and there's like a big crane type thing that uh, I see uh, workers climbing, uh, I can't really tell what it's for, it looks like, <laughs> it looks like uh, in a movie like where the bad guy would kidnap a small child and then uh, take him to the top of the tower and then the hero would have to like negotiate like just let the kid go i understand i'm on your side we can get you help <laughs> that's what they always say don't fall for it tv bad guy they're not gonna get you help they're not gonna they're not gonna be like that guy who kidnapped a kid could really use some talk therapy they're gonna put you in jail don't fall for it All right, let's get into uh shit that Gabriel should have said last week. This it's just a quick one that I'm sure doesn't matter, but I mentioned last week that uh, uh I've been watching Evening at the Improvs and that they were all on Hulu and uh, I spoke incorrectly, they're all on Amazon Prime. So I know you guys rely on me and this podcast for all your TV viewing needs. Um and I misled you. I'm sorry, but if you want to watch Evening at the Improvs uh, you're going to have to go to Amazon Prime instead. I was also, I was mentioning, uh, the, uh, sort of the editing live taping process for comedy shows last week. And I had someone ask me, not an actual, uh, podcast listener, but a real life question. <laughs> uh, they were like, what, what's the fate? What was your favorite TV show you taped? And I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I think most comedians would say. I didn't like any of them. <laughs> I don't. I think that's the nature of it. Is like we're never we're never gonna be thrilled. And also, I've done some like shit ones. Like, I mean, let's go through the list. It's not a long list. It won't take long. Uh, first TV taping I ever did uh, live at Gotham for Comedy Central. Uh, obviously, super professional production. Uh, paid me sixteen hundred bucks back in two thousand nine. Uh, that's funny though, cause I had to like I had to sign up to be uh, like a union after SAG member for that show, and then I never the residual checks from that show were like thirty eight cents. Uh, nothing on those. 
But um, look, it looks good. It's on a legit network. But that's just so long ago that the material makes me cringe. At the time, I thought it was okay. I think at the time, I thought they left in one joke that didn't get a huge response. And I'm thinking, I just did ten minutes. You're showing five and a half. Why are you showing one of the jokes that didn't work that good? But, you know, that's nitpicky. It was fine. I just don't like watching it now because it's not real representative of my current uh, comedy. Uh, Next show I taped, I believe, Comedy.TV, which uh, in some ways is my favorite, only for financial reasons, because uh, I think, I don't know what, I got like a thousand bucks, no travel, to tape it the first time. And, uh, but that was also a union thing, and I've, I mean, I've gotten random $1,500 checks in the mail or $800 checks in the mail. They keep playing that shit, and I keep getting money. So in that way, it's great. But if you're like, what the hell's comedy.tv? Uh, it plays, it's syndicated. So it comes on like on networks after that juicer commercial at three in the morning. And, uh, I, it actually is on YouTube somewhere, I think. But, uh, it's so edited and patched together that, uh, I can't even watch it. I can't even watch it. And also that audience was a paid audience. Meaning, not that I paid a lot, but there's like in the Los Angeles area, there's like, you can sign up to be an audience member. They'll give you like whatever, a hundred bucks, a bus ride, and uh, free catering for the day, and you can be a professional audience member on whatever, a game show or a comedy.tv taping. So, you know, before we go out, there's like, there's an audience warm-up person, and they're telling the crowd like, hey, if one person claps, everybody claps, you guys got to be super supportive, go nuts, go crazy. Everyone who got introduced on comedy.tv After our introduction, the whole audience stood up and gave us a standing ovation. They're like, please welcome Gabriel Rutledge. And then like, "Ah," they just all stand up like Chris Rock just showed up. And look, it's nice to have that energy. But also, they don't coach them to laugh. They coach them to clap. So, you know, if I'd said something like, I'm married as a setup to a joke, the crowd just goes, marriage and they give you a 30 second applause break well that is not conducive to the timing of stand-up comedy uh so that taping was i mean i did not love it i did not love it i did not watch it and go like wow that really is a good representation uh i also the same company as comedy.tv there's a show called comics unleashed that i taped and uh i don't think it ever aired uh i think someone would have told me but it's the same thing syndicated middle of the night uh that one the comedy comics unleashed is it's sort of like doing morning radio on tv meaning there's a host byron allen who's like a billionaire by the way he owns like all these production companies and so byron says he you know we give him all these setup questions 
And then so Byron says to like me, he's like, I understand your kids play sports, Gabriel. And then I'm supposed to like rattle off my three minute bit about my son playing soccer like it's a conversation and not stand up comedy. It's very awkward. And I also wish they would have mentioned that, again, paid audience, paid audience. They're going nuts. They're going crazy. They're not necessarily laughing. Uh, and, you know, we were all mic'd. The com- There's like four comedians sitting around in chairs. Byron Allen's asking his questions. It's very awkward because even when the other person's talking, you're like, am I just supposed to sit here like with a happy look on my dumb face? Do I have to laugh at the other comedian's material? It's not. It wasn't a real relaxed environment. And they didn't mention, look, we were mic'd. We had like lapel mics for, for the actual recording, but we were not mic'd for the audience. Meaning they come back from fake commercial. The whole audience is going crazy because they, you know, they got a sweet 75 bucks in their pocket and they just had a catering biscuit. And so while the audience is clapping underneath that, Byron goes to me, Gabriel, I understand you've been married for a while. Well, the audience didn't hear him say that to me, which doesn't matter technically because I'm supposed to be performing for the TV audience. But in my head, I'm like, I gotta, I have to uh, appeal to the audience that's right in front of me. So I would, it really made me want to like restate, like, that's right, Byron, I have been married a while. So the audience would know what the hell I was talking about. And also, if I did get a laugh, it would drown me out because I wasn't mic'd. So I wish they would have mentioned that so I would have been prepared for that. That would have helped. Uh, I also just legit fucked up a joke. Um, And I thought that they would just say, whatever, you messed that one up. Obviously, we're not going to use that one because they shot way more material than they would use. Um, but instead, uh, they said, let's reshoot that one. And, uh, because we like that joke, so let's reshoot it the right way. So then I had to do it again in front of the audience that just heard it. Cause the, I was supposed to say, I'm so glad I'm not single. And instead I said, I'm so glad I am single. So I totally fucked up the whole joke. So I had to repeat that part and, uh. That was really the only reason I wanted today wanted the show to air because I wanted to see if they cleaned it up and actually put it in there. But and then we actually had a actual humorous moment because I I said something about how it's hard to start in the middle of a joke, and then Byron Allen said, "We'll go back a little farther. Then go back to the part where you said you were fat." And I and then I said to Byron, "I'm like, hey, it sounds worse when you say it." Real laugh from the audience. Byron Allen goes. Look, I don't care. I got to take my kid to school tomorrow. Let's hurry up this thing. Another actual laugh from the audience. And then uh, immediately into the actual taping with no authentic reactions whatsoever. Um, But yeah, I don't think it ever aired. I don't. I mean, people still put it on posters sometimes. Like, hey, you've seen them on Comics Unleashed. And I'm like, I don't think you have unless you were in the audience that day. Um, So, uh. That one, oh, Nick Mom, look, I'm going to, Nick Mom Night Out on Nickelodeon might be my favorite taping as far as how the material came across. Um, they did do some editing, uh, because they said, 
It was weird. The producers wanted it to be edgy, even though it came on after Dora on the West Coast. Uh, and I think, what was the word I wanted to say? Um, I can't remember, but it was like kind of a swear word. Oh, it was, uh, it was cock blocker. The word, the words cock blocker, uh, were in the bit. And I said, you know, on the phone when we're talking about the material I was going to do, I said, I mean, I probably can't say cock blocker, right? And he kind of like, the producer was like, yeah, you know what? You didn't hear it from me that you can say it, but if you do say it, I'm not going to complain. So I'm like, oh, is he saying I'm a pussy if I don't say cock blocker? So I did say cock blocker, and uh, they edited it out, but in like a real slick way. Not like a beep, or they just took a word out, but they um, they just replaced it. Uh, with a, It was seamless. You could not tell at all, uh, but they did take out the word cock blocker. But as far as the actual set, I mean, I didn't love how I looked. I didn't, and all that. But uh, maybe material-wise, that's about as good as TV as I've done. I did uh, I did laughs on Fox, um, which uh, that one they just taped. They just taped me at a comedy club, and they cut a couple of little snippets out of it. And uh, the, <laughs> the problem with that is there was only maybe 20 people in the audience. So, you know, you don't want a TV taping to be, uh, here's me in front of 20 people. It's not like there's a little parentheses up in the corner that's like, by the way, this was taped in front of 20 people. So he's actually doing pretty well. You know, and then also when they go in and out of the clip, it's edited to seem like there's a giant crowd. So it's like a big crowd sound. And then it goes down to me getting laughs from 20 people. Um, and it was, I actually watched it again recently. It's not terrible, but it's sort of the quality of clip that I would share that I made with my own camera. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is a Fox television production. Um, and it was, it was only on in like 12 cities anyway, so maybe it wasn't that big of a Fox production, but I don't know. I didn't love that one either. I have a son and two daughters. I'm, uh, I'm happy I had daughters. They seem smarter. <laughs> I love my son. I'm going to say it twice, you guys. I love my son, but holy crap. Uh, I had to teach him some life lessons. I did not know you had to teach mammals, okay? He was the first kid. I read parenting books. I went to a parenting class. I tried to be prepared. When he was little, some weird stuff came up. Lesson number one, very surprisingly, don't put stuff in your butt. Yeah, I also thought we were born without knowledge, okay? I didn't know I had to coach that at any point, but for a while, he thought it was for storage. I had to step in. I think from a toddler perspective, he was like, look, I've got three Hot Wheels. I would like to take to the kitchen. I've got two hands. Maybe there's another way. Yeah, that's when daddy's walking by like, what are you, wow, new rule. No cars in the butt. We're gonna put that on the fridge. It's important. It's more important than not lying, actually. It's not a pocket, weirdo. What do you, he didn't know. He's like, why, why can't I? I'm like, I'm not sure. Cause some stuff shouldn't go in your butt. 
which is when my wife started laughing really hard from the other room. <laughs> Everyone get it? That's gonna get it? Okay. Lesson number two. Uh, no, we don't play with our penis while we're eating dinner. Why? Because mommy won't let us. <laughs> Yeah, I asked. She's not cool with it. Yeah. She doesn't even have one. That's her problem. <laughs> Here she comes. I also, I had a, I had a fun grow out. I had a grow out hairstyle during that Fox taping. No beard. And then uh, just looked like I needed a haircut. Wasn't long yet. Uh, and then uh, last year, uh, the inside inside joke with Asif Ali on uh, Amazon Prime, which you can still watch. I mean, I love how it looks, the look of the cameras and everything. Uh, but my only complaint about that would be that the the audience kind of sucked. Maybe they should have paid them. <laughs> I felt like sometimes during tapings, like the audience is nervous. Like, they know this is going to be recorded forever. So there's like a weird, this is being recorded energy. And it just wasn't, a, not a terrible audience. No one was bombing, but I didn't, it just wasn't, the jokes didn't do as good as they normally do. It looks fine. And actually, that show has interview stuff. And I like the interview stuff better than I like the stand-up stuff. Um, which is kind of funny. Like, after I taped the comedy part, I was like, eh, that was okay. And then after the interview, I'm like, I just killed that interview. But, uh, yeah, I think that's the nature of, uh, of, of, of doing this is, is, uh, I don't, you know, every once in a while, someone's like, that went perfectly. But, uh, there's always something we don't quite like about it. And, uh, that's probably, uh, whatever I record next, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure I won't totally love that either, but, uh, that's fine. Hello, this is a commercial word for Anchor Podcasts, the easiest way to host your podcast. Um, if you don't have a podcast, congratulations. You probably have an enjoyable life full of friends, family, and fun. Uh, but if you do have a podcast, um... I'm sorry, and you should use Anchor Podcasts. Uh, it's easy. It's free. Uh, they distribute everything for you. They give you sponsorship, which apparently is just talking about Anchor. I guess that's their sponsorship, but I don't want to brag, but I make, you know, maybe six bucks a month doing this. So, worth it? Of course it is. Uh, go to anchor.fm or the Anchor app. We now return to another riveting episode of the Rutledges. Ah, when I haven't been listening to uh, Cindy Lauper uh, hold up here in my condo, uh, I've been watching uh, Brody Stevens clips. Brody Stevens was a uh, comedian who died, I mean, a couple days ago, three days ago, uh, as of this recording, uh, by suicide, which is obviously terrible. And uh, I've been, <clears throat> there's been a lot of comedy deaths, obviously. Well, there's a lot of death. That's part of, I feel like because of social media, we're reminded of death more in a weird way. Because there's, you know, I have, uh, 
5,000 Facebook friends. I mean, I've hid most of you, but, you know, just in your own family and circle of friends, there's there's clearly illness and death and problems. But, you know, when some guy I worked with once four years ago has cancer, I know about it now. Or some comedy community in Atlanta that I visited a couple times in my life, they have a friend who just died. So I see everyone posting about that. It's like the, the circle, we're also much more connected than we used to be, which is positive, but also there's always bad stuff happening, uh, in someone's community. And so, uh, but I've seen a lot of comedy deaths, uh, but, um, I, I mean, I don't, I was, everyone loved Brody, man. And I am not saying that like a guy who knew him, because I did not. Uh, I mean, I've talked to him a couple times in my life. Um, he was a Seattle comic, but he moved before I started. Um, but he seemed to belong to everyone, you know? It was from like super, you know, from Zach Galifianakis, Sarah Silverman, Patton Oswalt types to like uh, open mic people. Like he was just beloved, man. And he was so fucking weird. I know is that I don't think I'm speaking ill of the dead, but he was so unique. And so his comedy act was like barely, he did have jokes, but, uh, it was just such a unique, it was so, such a unique thing. You could look him up. I'm not going to play any, but look up Brody Stevens. I mean, there's, there's a clip when he did a show in Seattle online where it's just four and a half minutes of him mentioning things he knows about Seattle. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's so funny, but also I don't, I don't want to overstate it because like, if you've never seen him before, your first reaction to seeing him might be what the fuck is this? Like, it's weird. It's out there and it's not normal stand up comedy, but, uh, maybe if you're a comedian and not, he had more fans than just comedians, but he was just so hilarious and so uh doing comedy in a way that uh no one else was um i mean i've never seen anyone else like him ever um and i've been uh it's been sad but uh kind of touching how much people love that guy and uh but yeah it's uh I was just thinking of another guy, I, not nearly as well known as Brody Stevens, but the guy Floyd J. Phillips, who died a couple years ago, maybe last year. And he was not suicide. He'd had kidney problems his whole life. He used to, <laughs> he used to have this great joke about how he had kidney problems, and uh, he used to work at the suicide hotline. And when people <laughs> called up and said they wanted to die, he's like, well, the first thing you should do is lay down in a bathtub full of ice. Meaning, you know, so we could have their kidney when they died. Was I did it badly, but it was funny. But I was just thinking about Floyd because my wife and I were uh, having a phone call and we were both kind of getting negative. We were complaining a lot. And I said, uh, you know what? Let's talk about something positive. Have you seen any rainbows lately? And that made me think of Floyd because, uh, I mean, probably early 2000s. I went to Kodiak, Alaska with Floyd J. Phillips, and uh, 
which was what a trip, man. Kodiak, Alaska is like even getting there is like a tiny buddy Holly plane, pretty terrifying. But uh, also just a weird vibe. Like seven at the time, it was like seven men to every one woman on the island, which is makes for a weird energy. I remember I remember a joke I did there because I I looked at their phone book. And they were they were only four digit phone numbers. Like everyone had the same prefix, so it was just like, oh, I'm gonna call Sally at two four six nine. Like every, but that was my joke. Uh, I remember I said there, I was like, I know, you know, you're in a small town where you ask for someone's phone number, and they're like seven. Used to be six, but I moved. But the the rainbow thing. Okay, I got distracted. So we're we're staying at uh the the the, the bar we're working at for like New Year's Eve 2002 or whatever. Uh, it's owned by this sea captain. He you know it's it's Alaska fishing boats, right? Uh, the guy's name is Stormy because what else would it be? And he was just like exactly like at a central casting of an Alaskan sea captain, like just uh. You know, he would like, there was like this big bone looking thing sitting in the living room. He like tossed it at me and I caught it. And he's like, what do you think that is? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, walrus penis. <laughs> I'm like, okay, hilarious. Uh, And all of his stories, because he's an Alaskan boat captain, you know? If you've ever watched any of those reality shows, it's scary shit up there. So it was just a, an entire weekend of him telling stories of the most horrific, like all of his stories ended with like, and that's when we fished his leg out of the water. So uh, after uh, after about twenty of those stories, there was like an awkward silence, and I I said, uh, "Have you ever have you ever seen a rainbow out on the water?" In that very tone, and it made me Floyd laugh super hard, and so uh, he would he would remember that and bring it up years later. <laughs> you ever seen a rainbow? Uh, yeah, I also remember Floyd left his Sean John jacket in Kodiak, Alaska, probably never to return again, but Stormy also had a, a beautiful, I mean, she was an adult, but like a young, his daughter, I, have you ever, have you ever seen people so attractive? It makes you fucking mad. Like, you're like, this is not the same species as me. Like. I don't know what she was like half uh native and half whatever stormy was and I mean just a shockingly attractive person like you couldn't believe she wasn't a model or famous uh yeah I, mean, I don't know what that reaction is when you see when you see something attractive enough it just makes you mad like fuck is that what I'm supposed to look like son of a bitch First, one of my very early road trips was with Floyd also, and he t <laughs> he lived in Portland, which is like two hours south of me, but we, we had a show the next day. He talked me into going to his house the night before to stay the night at his house so we could get an early start the next day to go to like somewhere in the middle of Oregon. And uh, I mean, a year later, I would have been like, no, I don't want to stay the night at your house, but I'm like, you know, I wanted to do what the headliner said. So I, I go down to his house. And he's like, oh, he seemed surprised I showed up, even though he told me to. And he's like, well, I'm about to go out. I have a date. But this is where you're going to sleep. And he throws a giant pile of dirty clothes that were on the bed onto the ground. 
And he's like, there's the, there's the TV. You can watch whatever you want. Uh, I'm like, oh, this is, I turn the TV on after he leaves. And this is long enough ago that VCRs were still a thing. Uh, so there's a VC, there's a, there's a video cassette in the TV. I turn the TV on and porn starts playing. I'm sitting on a bed where dirty clothes just were looking at the porn Floyd was just watching last thinking, uh, I'd made some bad career choices already. And then the next day, uh, you know, we're just talking in the car and, uh, he's like, Hey, we get paid, uh, in two days. Can I borrow $75? (laughs) He was making twice as much as me on the weekend. And he already, uh, borrowed money. Uh, which is a very Floyd story, like a fucking uh, hilarious, unique individual, but uh, didn't make the best money choices all the time. He did pay me back. R.I.P. Floyd J. Phillips. J stands for genius, as he used to say. There's, I mean, sometimes I get, I get uh, people pretend comics are too special, you know, like, um, like, oh, we're all so fucked up. This is all we could do. You know what I mean? We couldn't be normal because we are so fucked up in the brain that we have to do. Nah, I don't know how true that is. But I will say, I don't know which came first, but there are people who do comedy who eventually couldn't do other things because, you know, uh, you couldn't be that disorganized and unprofessional. I actually think that's changing. I don't even think you can be a fucked up comic anymore. You you have to be too professional now, but you know, sort of the old school. There was definitely uh, if you had the same work ethic, uh, <laughs> you would have been fired from anywhere else. But in comedy, you could kind of get away with it. Uh, you know, and comedy professionalism is like he doesn't do coke till after the show. He's one of the good ones. There's another guy who died. Holy crap! Uh, uh, Huck Flynn, which I'm sure was not his God-given name. But that's He hosted the second show I ever did comedy at the Comedy Underground in uh, Seattle and, uh, and that, you know, in October of 2000. And uh, was just, he had a guitar. I mean, that, <clears throat> the set I saw him do in October 2000 when he hosted the show is the same set I saw him do in I think 2017, when he middled for me at the Comedy Underground, it was the same. It shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have. Maybe it shouldn't have worked in uh, 2000, but it was a 2017. I remember watching him, and it's like a kind of a young crowd, and all of his jokes are like it's you know it's guitar parody stuff. So it's like it's like rock stars selling Viagra, and I'll be like Bob Seger, like a rock, and I'm like. No one in this crowd even knows Bob Seger. You know, the Eagles for Cialis. Somebody's gonna hurt someone. And he was still doing well. He was still doing better than I thought he should have. But it was just like, in some ways, this beautiful, like, yeah, this old fucking road dog uh, can still get the job done. And uh, I remember, this is what I remember about Huck. First of all, every time I met him, he told me he was quitting comedy. And, uh to do music full time. And I don't think he ever stopped doing comedy. But one time I was at Harvey's in Portland, Oregon at their condo. He was not there. He was not working. It was me and another guy in the condo. Huck shows up 
knocks on the door. I'm like, what, Hawk? What's up, buddy? You know, he's wearing like ripped jeans. His fucking balls are hanging out the bottom. <laughs> I mean, he, I'm not, a, he had underwear on, but you know, you could like see his boxer shorts through his ripped jeans. And I'm like, what? I thought it was like a double booking. Like, did you think you were working this week? He's like, hey, I just had some laundry that I'd stop by. He wasn't even working. He was just, he just wanted to do laundry and he was driving through Portland. Uh, I miss that kind of character, man. That's kind of gone away. Uh, like I said, comedy changes and for the good, yes, but also like there's some, there's some old characters who, uh, uh, are going the way of the buffalo, man. But, uh, I should, oh, for Brody Stevens, I will say, I don't know where you can find it. It was on HBO and then it was on Comedy Central. It was like a six part sort of a documentary series. It was called, I think Brody Stevens Enjoy It. It was produced by Zach Galifianakis and it was sort of documenting Brody having a breakdown. Like he's bipolar. Well, he was. Uh, and it was really fascinating to like, you know, he was having sort of a psychotic episode and they were cameras there. It's pretty heavy. I mean, it's a funny, it's a very funny documentary, but it's also pretty heavy. And, uh, I actually, somebody shared a link of, of Brody's last Periscope. And man, I probably shouldn't have watched that because it was, you know, he was like changing medication and talking about how he was struggling, but he was going to get better and, just fucking heartbreaking, man. It's just, and I, you know, people are like, oh, if Brody knew how much people loved him, he might not have done it. And I don't, I think that statement shows a lack of understanding about depression because I don't think that's, you know, I'm not saying this from firsthand experience, but I think if your brain's telling you nothing anyone says matters and you don't matter. I don't think someone saying Brody people love you, uh, is going to be the thing that keeps you here. You know, um, I don't know. It's, I feel like depression is the, everyone gets depressed, right? That's a normal part of life. So I think people who are lucky enough to only get normal depressed feel like they can identify with people who are clinically, medically depressed. And you can't, and I can't. I'm not one of those people. I've been depressed in my life, but not in that way. Not in like, you know, when people are like, it, there's almost this attitude of like, you know, oh, you got to get through it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And, and that's not how brains work, man. That's, I mean, that's like telling a schizophrenic to uh, just focus and stop listening to the voices. I mean, that's not, you can't necessarily just buck up and get tough and get over your depression. That's not how it works. And uh, I mean, it's a very, very sweet sentiment when people, when there is a, a suicide tragedy and people say, hey, if you're struggling, reach out. You know, reach out to me, your friend, if you're struggling. That's a, I'm not shitting on that sentiment, but it's also so much more complicated than that. And, you know, I, 
I think I'm allowed to say this. I, m- my wife has had uh, serious struggles with mental health. And I guess before I even say that, I will say uh, doing pretty good. Everything's okay. She had her thyroid out, which had a lot to do with it at the end of last year. And like we're in a, things are in a good place. Things are in a healing recovery place. So I don't want this to be all a negative story, but I'm just saying I, I know what it is like to live with a person who does not want to be alive. So the idea of just reach out and tell this incredibly depressed person uh, how valuable they are to you. Um, yeah, I fucking tried that. <laughs> you can, Do you know what I mean? First of all, I don't want to say the idea is that like, you have to fix it as the healthy person because that's not necessarily what they need either. But like I didn't – it's – when when a person does reach out and say I'm really struggling and I want I wish I wasn't alive and you know I didn't you know I don't want, my wife never tried to kill herself I'm you know so even in my own our own struggles it didn't get as bad as it gets for some people but the when I know this from my wife when you tell people I'm really struggling. I'm having a horrible time. People don't know what the fuck to say to you. They don't. It's, you know, it's a lot. It's, it's, uh, not everyone can handle that. Um, and honestly, I, I didn't even do a great job handling it. And she was my wife. I mean, I, I tried my damnedest, but it's, it's not, as easy as like someone wants to someone is really depressed and they wish they weren't alive but if i could just have a chat with them then we can turn this whole thing around that's sadly not the case you know and it's uh there's still a weird there's some mental illness stigma where if you're struggling mentally, sometimes I think you don't want to reach out because you feel judgment as opposed to whatever. Uh, I have cancer. That's terrible. But no one's going to say to you, I think if you started exercising, your tumor would get smaller. But that's what people do to depressed people. You know what's important? Go on a walk. Which I'm not saying that doesn't do anything. But... You know, I was going to kill myself, and then I walked around a pond, and now everything's great. That's ridiculous. Um, so it's hard. It's I'm not – that sentiment of uh, let's take care of our friends who are depressed is great, but I've just lived it, and I know it's extremely difficult on both sides, the the – the overwhelming feeling of uh, being alone for the depressed person and no one is understanding what you're going through. And um, and then the being the person trying to be helpful or, you know, um, it's, it's extremely difficult. And 
I don't know. I feel like a long time from now, I think how we treat mental health now is going to be pretty ridiculed. I think uh, it's uh, it's going to be treated a lot differently. And uh, I also don't know why so many people have mental health problems. I don't know what's going on. Maybe that's always been the case. Maybe that's just this current society. But it's uh, it's really hard, and it's uh, there's no easy answers, and you can't. Uh, you can't uh, always fix it. I mean, obviously therapy is really important. Obviously medication is really important, but also sometimes medication kills you when you're trying to change and uh, it doesn't work. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, sometimes we lose good people, man. It's uh, such a fucking bummer. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think comedians have any worse mental health than, uh, anyone else. I think that gets overblown too. Um, mostly by people who aren't even professional comedians who are like, yeah, man, we're all fucked up. I'm like, well, you do open mics and you work at Home Depot. So are you fucked up because you work at Home Depot or because of the open mics? Um, I mean, I, yeah, there's sadness in the comedy world for sure. Um, but I, I think there's just as many sad receptionists as there are sad clowns. I don't think that makes us that particularly unique. Um, life is, uh, can be pretty brutal for everybody. Have a good night, everybody. Life sucks. No, it's not. It's beautiful and terrible. You guys know, um. But mental health is, uh, if it doesn't affect you, it probably affects someone you love. And sometimes it just takes away uh, a super unique, hilarious person before uh, before their time. And, uh, you know, I'm still <clears throat> clearly uh, still coming to terms with all this shit myself because it's, uh, you know, as far as... Uh, the supporting someone with depression part, it's, you know, there's a lot of love songs about uh, I'll always be there for you or, you know, I'm your place to fall during the bad times. And uh, I do think all those things are, that's a good idea, but um, it, you don't, you're not always the person you think you're going to be when someone you love needs you. Uh, you know, in 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 my head, I was going to be this, uh, I don't know, some fucking superhero where <laughs> my wife's in trouble and all of a sudden I know how to ride a horse and uh, I'll save the day. And uh, don't worry. Now that you're depressed, I will fucking take care of all the kids myself, and I'll get uh, some new job where I don't have to be gone, and I'm going to fix everything. And it doesn't, uh, you know, that's not a healthy place to come from either, and, uh, you know, I didn't always do it right. 
I didn't I always I didn't always uh support uh in the way I wish I would have and uh you know I I did my best I think um but uh you know when you get when you <laughs> when you get married uh people always say like you'll be there in good times and bad and I think in my head I thought well <laughs> We'll probably have one bad time, right? We'll get through the one bad time, and then it'll be like 50 other years of wedded bliss. And, uh, you know, just like my wife did. She probably <laughs> she probably thought uh, the bad time would be uh, after I quit being in a band. I would be more normal. She didn't know I was going to be a stupid comedian and be gone all the time and make her raise kids alone half the time. So... It's uh, it's not just one time, and uh, some people don't make it through. Uh, depression, relationship troubles. My my wife is still here. Uh, I'm still here. We're still married. We still love each other, and uh, I'm uh, I'm very grateful for all that. And even uh, even now, like. Uh, <laughs> In uh, in a much better time, um, I I want uh in my wife's health and my in my marriage I want I want like a guarantee from life like uh you know sickness and in health right so we just had sickness so this is we're gonna be good for a while right like like I earned it I guess uh but um there's no guarantee of that and. Uh, uh, I guess, you know, you don't, you, whether it's a friendship or a marriage or whatever, you're not just signing up for, uh, getting them through one hard time. Uh, you're, uh, you know what? Cindy Lauper's right. It's, uh, it's time after time. <laughs> All right. Uh, talk to you guys next week.
Oh 